0: Samson, listen to the introduction from our quarterly. It says this. If you were to put together a team, what kind of people would you select? Perhaps you would look for the biggest, the strongest, the fastest, giving you a physical advantage over your opponents. Maybe you would choose the smartest, the quickest thinkers to give you a mental upper hand. But when you look through scripture at the team of people God uses in the unfolding of his plan, his team seems to be a group and a collection of unlikely people. True enough, isn't it? As we've studied even thus far, um, into judges and and throughout, God chooses all sorts of people. What, and, and we haven't got to where God chooses a, a, a king yet with David, but I'm sure we'll get there. And what was the answer um, from Samuel about why David was chosen? Remember the answer. What, what the deal was? God looks at man looks at the outside, and man God looks at the heart, the inside. That's exactly right. God sees things totally differently than we do, right? Good thing, isn't it? And so. Of all the characters in scriptures, all of them are sinners in need for a Savior. And that's one of the things that we should be very thankful for concerning the Bible is that God doesn't clean it up. God doesn't change things. God doesn't doesn't say, you know what, I'm not going to tell you that story because that person really blew it. He tells us. Because what we need to know is that everybody who has been born is a sinner in need of a Savior and God uses those kinds of people. And that's a really good thing. Abraham was the downer, according to says. Job was Jacob was the deceiver. Moses was the murderer. David the adulterer. Rahab the prostitute. We could go on person by person through the entire Bible. And we see this pattern throughout the redemptive history. God doesn't blush at working with imperfect people. This is the reality as we walk in the footsteps of the Old Testament saints as we study them. Israel's story is our story. What is that? That is God working with imperfect people on a regular basis. Like them, we're often prone to chase after empty, lifeless things. We've seen that with Israel over and over again. God tells us how to find life and freedom, but we still do what is right in our own eyes. We read that. We read that in, in Judges, but that's us. We tend to do what is right in our own eyes. None of the judges in these stories solved. Israel's ultimate problem. Right? Because that could only be solved by the Lord. Because it was a sinful problem. It was wayward hearts. That's the problem over and over again. God used people to do what? Get them back and direct them. So that they could have that issue solved. Finally. But they they rejected it a lot of times. The judges are but a shadowing. Pointing to the final judge. Which is Jesus Christ. we know that. Because that's what our quarterly has done a great job. judges and that's Again, every man did what was right in his own eyes. He did evil again in the sight of the Lord. So that the Lord gave them into the hands of the Philistines for forty years. There was a certain man of Zora, the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had borne no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and give. Therefore be careful not to drink wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing. For behold, you shall conceive and give birth to a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Now, we we learn a couple of things here, and what are they? What are a couple of the things that we learn here in this passage right away, these first five verses, that are significant for life? observations. What do, you, what do we learn here from this, these verses? A couple of important things. God was going to send somebody, and God is the one who picked that somebody, and in fact, God picked that somebody when? Before he was born. Okay. And he called him a Nazarite, which means that he was going to be a person that was going to be separated off and, and not able to do certain things. God had done that in the Old Testament. He called him a Nazarite from what? From, his, from the teach us, and what does that confirm for us one more time? Life begins at conception and God sees it that way. He always has seen it that way. It's exactly right. Okay? And the Bible tells us that over and over and over again. Yes! And God has a plan for us. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. So, we lead that. Now let's jump down to verse 24. And Then the woman gave birth to a son and named him Samson. And the child grew up, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him in mehe between Zorah and Eshtal. Then then we read in the next couple of, of verses here that then Samson went down, and we get into his life as an adult. So we simply, I wanted to get you to the point where you understood that the Lord had said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get somebody to use somebody. I'm going to choose somebody, and it was Samson. And the Lord began to do a great work, and, and the Spirit of the Lord began to stir in him. Now, you read that phrase every once in a while in the Old Testament. In effect, what does that mean? What What is the idea in the Old Testament, just stick there for a moment, that the Spirit of the Lord is beginning to stir in a man? What, is it, what does it mean? We've read that before a little bit. task as he did in the Old Testament. That's not the case at all. We have the Holy Spirit. But it is that God is beginning to do some things in our life so that we will be ready to do what it is that he wants us to do. And sometimes we recognize that and sometimes we don't recognize that. And we're actually going to talk a little bit about that during the, the preaching time this morning, about God in, God at work in us and seeing the big picture and understanding that there is more than what we just see right now, this very moment, in front of us, okay? So the Lord is beginning to work in the life of Samson. Well, what do we read? Um, let me read this first of all. Hold on. Um, oh, nope, let me go on. Chapter 14, and then I'll, I'll read this next thing from the quarterly. <clears throat> Chapter 14, it says this, Then Samson went down to Temna and saw a woman in Temna, one of the daughters of the Philistines. So he came back and he told his father and his mother, I saw a woman in Timnah, one of the daughters of the Philistines, now therefore go get her for me as a wife. And his father and his mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your relatives or among our people that you may go and take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, Go get her for me, for she looked good to me. However, his father and his mother did not know that it was of the Lord, for he was seeking an occasion against Philistines, and at the time the Philistines were ruling over Israel. Verses 1-3 through three are pretty significant. Samson went down, he saw this woman, he went back and told her parents, I want this woman, go get her for me. They said, now wait a sec, isn't there somebody else that you should get who is one of ours? And Samson said, she looks good to me. Verse 7 says, so he went down and talked to the woman and she looked good to Samson. What was Samson's problem? Lust of the eyes, less of the flesh, less of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. That was Samson's problem. What's your problem? Same thing. Same thing. What is it that happens in life many times? We see it, and we we want it. We ponder it, and we keep it, and we roll it around in our minds, and we play with it, and we consider it, and we see it, we want it. Why do we see things and want them? We're sinners. What's going on? Why do we see sin- it? You're right. That's a good answer. It appeals to us. You need to understand that that appeals to you. Because you're flesh. So what needs to happen so that, so that my flesh isn't ruined in my life? I need to be reconciled to God. I need to be right with God. I need to be walking with God. I need to be listening to God. I need to be making sure that I am more concerned about that. issue of life right here. I see it and I want it. Is that, does that not describe our world? I see it and I want it absolutely. That's our world. okay? Our commentary says this Samson's parents asked him in vain if there were no women among his relatives whom he could marry. The intermarriage with the Philistines was a denial of Samson's calling as a Nazarite and his choice of a bride contrasts strongly with the ideal wife of, uh, uh, the, who married Caleb's daughter, um, Otheno. And Samson said of the woman he saw her, I want her, which is literally, she is right in my eyes. In this, he represented Israel, where each citizen did what they wanted. Each man did what was right in their own eyes. Yet the Lord would use Samson in an...
1: support we see the later and tomorrow. already said, this is how you should live. have Samson whatever you want you- my hand desires and holding you hostage... buy once in a while is Are we ready? He had no business with the violence. And, and how that arms like a thread. Then Delilah said to Samson, Up to now you have deceived me and told me lies. Tell me how you may be bound. Why would you do that? And he said, If you, uh, if you weave the seven locks of my hair with the web and fasten it with a pin, I will become weak like any other man. So while he slept, Delilah took the seven locks of her hair and wove them into the web. She fastened them with the pin and said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he woke from his sleep, pulled the pin from the loom and the web. Then she said, How could you say I love you? lot of things that we can talk about here and and, and here's the other thing and, and she says, "How can you do that? You've deceived me these times, and not told me where great strength."